Twice the night before Christmas, and all through the Hold house... it now, wait, hold it. That's played out. Hit it! There's trouble. Oh, G.I. Joe is there. You guys have got an ad with America's favorite old fart reading a book in front of a fireplace. Sure, Sir Isaac Newton unraveled the mysteries of gravity. But could he have unraveled the mysteries of Rubik's Cube? Hot Wheels. They're one of the ways I tell my kid I love them. They're each one of a kind. They're cabbage patch kids. Only Atari makes the world's most popular home video game. I can't put my arms out! Only at Radio Shack. And why is the carpet all wet, Todd? I don't know, Margo. Live from Members Only Studios, welcome to Living in the 80s, the podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with the 1980s, the best that we remember it. I don't know. I, I kind of like my new tagline. It, it, it feels comfortable. It feels warm. I think <laughs> so, it's a very good tagline. <laughs> thank you. So if you guys couldn't tell, I've got my friend Debbie with me again. So Debbie, welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. What we wanted to do of course, it's it's Christmas time. So if you're hearing this after Christmas time, you're probably also the type that are watching the the Hallmark Christmas movies out of season, and you listen to Christmas music year round or something. And you know, there's something very very wrong with you. But <laughs> right now, we are doing our Christmas music episode, and I couldn't think of anybody better to share this with than Debbie. She is she is our Christmas queen around here. So uh, what happened uh, when I, I first through the Living in the Eighties Facebook page, I got to get, know Debbie a little bit because you know she'll respond to things and very well thought out, and you can tell she's just a fan of the era of the music and so forth. One of the things that we initially kind of discussed was Christmas music. So she sends me this Christmas playlist that she had with tons and tons of stuff on it and uh we take turns on living in the 80s doing you know song of the day and so forth and and she's been doing plenty of christmas songs lately so it makes it really fun for me because they're not always songs i've heard of which we're going to save one to the very very end of the podcast to talk about that she turned me on to that's just I, just a song that I've just been listening to over and over again. So, what, okay, what we did, we decided we were going to go through Christmas songs of the 80s and put our own top 10 list, not in any kind of particular order. We're going to go back and forth and talk about the songs and uh, memories and origins and the artists and so forth. And then maybe talk about some other ones at the end. We had this conversation over email, I believe, within the last week or two talking about how it's very hard to narrow Christmas music, to narrow it down to one decade, just because so many things that we listen to uh, just kind of transform. They go over multiple decades, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. Debbie, share with us your thoughts about that. I agree 100% because there's there are so many songs related to Christmas. And as you said, they go over so many decades. I think my my playlist probably goes back all the way to the 30s, 40s, 50s. 
and continues to the present. And so you really have to drill through your list to find those songs that are actually from the 1980s and then to make sure that they were actually released in the 1980s once you start looking at them. So yes. I agree. So there, there are a couple of them that I really, really wanted to put on the list, but they fall outside the decade, so we couldn't do it. So maybe we'll mention those. So what we'll do, um, we're going to take a, a brief break here, and we're going to come right back, and we are going to kick off our, uh, not countdown, kick off our our discussion on our favorite 80s Christmas song. So hang tight. We'll be right back. Welcome back. So 80s Christmas music. We have been listening to it for years and years and years. So Debbie, tell me first of all, how you, we talked about a very special Christmas. Yeah. And talk to, to our people about what that album is and maybe its impact at the time. Oh, goodness. A Very Special Christmas was released in October of 1987, and it was an album that was put together to raise funds for the Special Olympics. For me, it was the album that really started my journey down the Christmas music road, I would say. My mom always had Julie Andrews and Terry Como playing at Christmas time, and I love the fact that they took traditional hymns and changed them around and gave them different sounds as time went on. But in 1987, there hadn't been a ton of, of albums out for teenagers my age at the time I was in college. And that one I found in a record store in Lincoln, Nebraska, when I was there visiting on a weekend. And I purchased that album and I probably nearly wore it out. And that, that album just for some reason has a sweet spot in my heart because I think it was really the first Christmas album that I ever purchased. And there were just so many fantastic songs on it. Yes. Totally agree. I remember that album came out and I just fell in love with it. So many, uh, such a mix of artists. So we've got the Pointer Sisters singing Santa Claus has come to town, your rhythmics singing Winter Wonderland. Do you hear what I hear by Whitney Houston? The, uh, that's just some of the songs. We'll talk about some other ones on the podcast today, but those are just some of the songs that were on this great album. And the album benefited Special Olympics uh, via the TJ Martell Foundation. And they raised a lot of money, but the songs were all over the radio and we continue to hear those songs today. Uh, like you said, I grew up listening, like my, like our go-to, the number one Christmas albums in our house were Johnny Mathis and Elvis Presley. Mm. And today I still listen to those two albums at Christmas time. I can't not listen to them. Like it brings me back to being a childhood and you know, another thing that does Debbie, this is gonna make people are going to think I'm, I'm just the weirdest dude ever. Whenever I smell scotch tape, it reminds me of Christmas. <gasps> yes. Because of all the wrapping. Now that I think yeah. about it. It yeah. has that smell. Even like it in does. July, if I've got to put tape on something, I'll just smell the tape. Oh, it's you Christmas. Smell the tape. Okay. I'm going to think of you every time I'm wrapping and I'll have to smell the tape from now on. it's it's every bit as as Christmassy as cookies and and cinnamon scent and all that other stuff so scotch tape look I gotta gotta roll right here you gotta start sniffing it yes there it's there (laughs) so anyway (laughs) in our house those were two really big ones uh when I was a teenager my mom had bought a an Amy Grant Christmas album 
And uh, that became one of the standards. I, I didn't care for it as much then as I do now, but some really, really good music. So what we're going to do, uh, as I mentioned, we are going to start our not countdown with our 10 favorite Christmas songs. Debbie's going to take five. I'm going to take five. And we're going to just just have a conversation about them. That sounds awesome. Uh, the first song I want to talk about is Fairy Tale of New York by The Pogues. And it was released in 1987. However, this was a song that was not on my radar during the 1980s. It was in later years that I heard it, probably in the last five or 10 years. It did not get any play on the radio stations where I grew up. Um, did, you, did it ever get any airplay where you were? No, I didn't hear it until probably the mid-90s. Uh, I remember, and this was one night, VH1 had had a Christmas video marathon. They like all day, like from the 23rd to the 25th of December, they played nothing but Christmas uh, videos back to back to back to back. And it was on there. Like I, I once upon a time, I, well, I recorded like on extra long play, like an eight hour, six hour, whatever VHS tape. I had all these videos on there. And for several years after that, during Christmas Eve or whatever, we're up wrapping presents. I'm playing that VHS tape and I was looking for it the other day and I'm sure I have it someplace. But anyhow, I, <laughs> I you know how I get off on a tirade or on a rabbit trail. But I have ever since I heard that back then, I liked it. But yeah, back in the 80s, I never knew that song existed. And that's how I was in the 80s. Didn't know it existed. And the first time I heard it, it just it made me it made me almost laugh because it's an old Irish folk style ballad. And so it's telling a story throughout. And you have the lead singer of the polls, McGowan, who is singing um, with a female, McCall. And they're talking back and forth. And it goes from being kind of a slow start to almost an Irish jig as the song progresses. And then it gets slow again towards the end. But for some reason, this one just is a lot of fun to listen to. They originally started working on this song in 1985, and it had a very troubled two-year development period um, as they were working on it. They had trouble finding who was going to sing the female vocals and finally completed it in August of 1987. It was kept at number two when it was re released in 1987 by Pet Shop Boys' cover of Always On My Mind, if you remember the year that that one was out. But it has remained popular for many different years after that. Has sold tons of albums throughout the years. And in the UK, Fairy Tale of New York is the most played Christmas song of the 21st century. Can you believe that? Wow, that definitely surprises me. <laughs> And in, in polls in the UK, people have said that it is the best Christmas song of all time. So, no kidding. No kidding. Yes. Nice. And a, a little funny story from the video for this song. Part of the video was filmed inside a police station on the Lower East Side in New York City. Matt Dillon appears in the video as a police officer. So there's an 80s tie as well. And he arrests McGowan and takes him to the cell in prison. And Dylan tells a story saying that he was afraid to handle McGowan roughly and had to be encouraged by McGowan to use force. And McGowan and the rest of the band were drinking throughout the shoot. And the police at the police station that were watching the shoot became concerned about their increasingly rowdy behavior in the cell. In the cell. <laughs> so it just sounds like true, you know, rock and roll behavior when you hear them talking about it. Um, nice. So I got a good laugh about some of those stories. <laughs> Said that Matt Dillon 
was sober and had to intervene to reassure the police that would that there would be no problem. So if you've never heard this song, let's hear a little clip of it, okay? You're a bum, you're a punk. You're an old slut and jumpler and they're almost dead on a trip in that boat. You scumbag, you maggot, you cheap, lousy faggot, happy Christmas, you're outside, my God, it's our love. The boys of the NYPD are still singing, go away, but... So I encourage you, listen to the song, check out the video. You will absolutely love it. And one thing that I found out, uh, well, probably when they when I very first heard it, I've always associated this with him, but Matt Dillon being in the video, he's also a huge fan of the Pogues. To, that's how he got involved in that video. He was a fan first. So uh, he's he was obsessed. And I think he even directed a couple of their videos as well. So. Yeah, there you go. Awesome. All right. So now so, your turn, Rob. Okay. Well, let, let's do it. For me, so you've heard the song Winter Wonderland, right? Everybody's heard that. Mm-hmm. Um, the song was originally written in 1934 by Felix Bernard and Richard Bernhard Smith. Um, the song's lyrics were about a couple's romance during the winter season. And then later on, you know, new verses were added and so forth. But the original verse and chorus we hear every Christmas, every Christmas time. So in 1987, uh, Huey Lewis and the News released a version of this song. And for them, it was only released as a, for people in their fan club. So, like, if you're you were in Huey Lewis's, I'm sorry, not 80, it was 1983. Um, if you were in the Huey Lewis and the News fan club, you received a single cassette single uh, with that song on it. And there, I don't know what was on the other side of it, but that's the only way you can get it. And uh, today, you can get it. You can find it on. Um, Apple Music or Spotify or any of those other places because they showed up on a couple of Huey Lewis compilation albums. But at the time, you couldn't get it. But they they would play it on the radio uh, some. So uh, let's hear and let's hear this a cappella version of Huey Lewis and the News singing "Winter Wonderland." A beautiful sight, we're happy tonight, walking in a winter wonderland. Gone away is the bluebird, here to stay is the new bird. He sings a love song as we go along, walking in a winter wonderland. So that is, to me, just feels very Christmassy. And uh, I just, I love, I love acapella singing. Did you ever see the the TV show Sing Off when it was on a few years ago? I did not. You could probably check out old episodes on, um, on YouTube, but it, they would only have it like at Christmas time. It was like a singing competition, but it was all acapella groups. And it was, it was just the, the, the coolest thing. So, you know, if you want some good a- acapella stuff and they do a lot of Christmas songs on there. So 
yeah, check it out. I think Sean Stockman from Boys to Men's one of the one of the judges, and uh, Nick Lachey from Ninety Eight Degrees is the host. And I can't remember who the other judges are off the top of my head, but uh, actually, that's where Pentatonics, Pentatonics, yeah, that's where they got their start. Is they won season one of Oh wow! So yeah, so enjoy that. Awesome. All right, I Debbie, had not heard next? this song. I had not heard the Huey Lewis in the News version of Winter Wonderland until you sent it out the other day. Oh, wow. Nice. So what did you yeah, think of it? Yeah, that was a new one. I liked it. It was a fun one. So, Good. so yeah, but had never heard it. So it was pretty much, pretty fun to see it and, and to get to hear it for the first time. Go ahead and go with your next song. My next song is Sting's Gabriel's Message. And it dates back to 1987 and was part of the very special Christmas album. And... It is based on a Bosque folk carol um, that is taken from Luke 1 in the Bible, and it is about the Annunciation to Mary and Mary's Magnificat afterwards. And I didn't realize until I started researching this song that it appeared first in 1985 as the B-side to Russia. And I didn't have that 45, so I didn't hear the song until it came out in a very special Christmas album in 1987. Um, so I was surprised to learn that. It's amazing how in doing research for the podcast, I typically find something new that I wasn't aware of. Um, but this song I always loved. Um, it's a carol that's been around for years, but I love Sting's version. I love his voice. And I love the sounds in the background that to me almost sounded like angel's wings. And yeah, I yeah, thought that, it was that... beautiful. Yeah, that like little synthesizer, that that clicking little kind of whatever that is. Yeah, I love it. I never thought about that as angel's wings, but that I like it. That's very cool. Yeah, so let's take a listen and hear what it sounds like. The angel Gabriel from heaven came. You know, being a police fan, I, I like almost every police song and stuff they do solo. And that song, that that's another one that resonates with me. I, I let Debbie put her her list out first, and then I followed up with my five. But there's two or three songs on her list that I very well could have stolen, and this is one of them. <laughs> so yep. it's good. Uh, what what kind of he did another version of it. I don't know if you've heard it. It's off one of his like compilation albums. It's not nearly as good as it's not. the version. It was on Very Special Christmas. Yeah, I think the second version was sometime in the 90s because I remember coming across that uh, the other day. And you're right, it is not nearly as good as this first version. So let us go on to, you know what? I will just play you this little clip of this next song and then we'll talk about it. Christmas trees decorate the house with lights at night. Snows on the ground, snow white, so bright. In the fireplace is the Yule log. Beneath the mistletoe, as we drink eggnog, the rhymes that you hear are the rhymes of carols. Like each and every year, we bust Christmas carols. Christmas Christmas and Hollis by Run DMC. (laughs) 
this was also on very special Christmas. This video is great. Run DMC, as we know, is great. And what I tried to do with my list here was try to get a, a, a kind of a more broad brush stroke of songs. There, there's a lot of songs, and we'll talk about this later, that could have made this list for me. But I, I wanted to kind of pick a little bit of something from everywhere. we got the acapella of Huey Lewis. We've got rap with Run DMC. We've got a rock band, a solo artist, and then a new wave band after that on my list but very interesting song and video here it it, it is it is very comedic it's one of those ones that all i hear is just the very beginning of the song and it just it just puts a smile on my face (laughs) one of the things i really enjoy about this song is the sampling that's in it um there is a part of backdoor santa by clarence Mm -hmm. carter in it uh, Frosty the Snowman, Jingle Bells, and Joy to the World. They're all kind of intertwined in this song. So it, it just speaks to the genius of this band and what they could do. Uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of times rap will get, get a knock like, oh, they're ripping off somebody's song. Like, no, they, they took three seconds of a song that you recognized and made you talk about it. Congratulations from DMC. But yeah, to, to, <laughs> to, to go all over the place, uh, with this song is is just you know to me really cool. What are your what are your thoughts about the song and the video there, Deb? I loved it. I think it was one of the first rap Christmas songs I had heard, and it was just unique in and of itself. And I thought it was interesting in reading about the song that when they were first asked to contribute a song to the very special Christmas album, they said no. They weren't sh- sure what they would have put together, and it was um, one of their people, Bill Adler, who gave them the idea on this song and it refers to the neighborhood um, Hollis in Queens in New York City is the neighborhood in which the members of the band grew up Um, Mm -hmm. so they were reflecting upon their lives at Christmas time when they wrote this song and I thought it was just so well done and like you said all the samples in it were just absolutely perfect. So as a special bonus to our listeners we're going to also include a small clip from probably my second favorite Christmas rap song this from 1980 here's a little sample of curtis blow singing christmas rapping don't you give me all that jive about things you wrote before eyes alive because this ain't 1823 ain't even 1970 now i'm the guy named curtis blow and christmas is one thing i know so every year just about this time i celebrate it with a rhyme And there it is. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I just sometimes there's just way too much music to share in one podcast, and we got to kind of, you know, trick our listeners a little bit, I suppose. <laughs> so. That's right. And hopefully, we'll introduce them to some new Christmas songs today as well. Yes. Oh, I can't. <laughs> the, the very last one, I cannot wait. Can't wait. <laughs> so, Deb, go ahead and go with your number three. Uh, My number three is by Michael W. Smith, and it is called Gloria. It's from 1989. Let's take a little listen to this one.
I've always loved Michael W. Smith. I have too. He's been one of my favorites. I got to see him back in the mid eighties in concert. He was just phenomenal. I've seen him since then at Christmas concerts and, and regular concerts as well, but he always puts on a good show. This album came out and to me, it was a little bit like a very special Christmas. I loved Amy Grant's Christmas album, but when Michael W. Christmas album hit, I played it like crazy. It was on in my car when I was driving to and from college classes. It was on in my car when I was driving to work. It was on all the time. I think I basically wore the cassette out and finally did replace it with a CD. Um, it was just such a good album. I love the fact that he was he wrote some songs completely on his own. He wrote, produced, and arranged all the songs on this album and performed them. Um, and the thing that I liked is even this song, Gloria, he took an old hymn, Angels We Have Heard on High, and gave it a new twist. And that's what I loved about it is it was something old made new again. I totally agree. If you guys get a chance, you know, Michael W. Smith may not be somebody immediately on your radar, but go check out that album. I think you guys will, will really like, you know, if you really want something that's going to help set the, the Christmas mood, that is definitely what will do the trick. Most definitely. He's a good pianist as well. Um, oh, yeah. There's a song on that album called Snow. And when I was teaching school many moons ago in the early 90s, I played that one in my classroom and had students do creative writing to it. So what is your next song? So my next one is from my favorite 80s band, of course. This is another song. Like I bought the very special Christmas cassette primarily for this song. So back in the 80s, I try to get my hands on every U2 song I possibly could, whether it's an album or an EP or single or import or whatever. But when this song came out, like I'd never heard the song before. And so I thought they had, you know, they had written it. Well, I'll tell you what, let's just, let's just hear a little piece. I tell you what, I love the song. It it's, has it, Christmas it, written all over it. <laughs> it does. It does. And originally, this was recorded in 1963 by Darlene Love. And it was from the album uh, Christmas Gift for You from Phil Spector. So Phil Spector ended up being kind of a bad dude, but mm -hmm. he was a really excellent music producer. He would He would assemble these artists and get the best session musicians he possibly could and you hearing things all throughout the 60s that uh, particularly particularly the earlier part of the 60s you can't hear you can't listen to an oldies radio station for a half hour and not hear at least one song that phil specter was involved with at yeah. some point but it was such a such a huge hit one of the the cool things about the song is its staying power. It's entered the Billboard Hot Holiday 100, which that is a real chart in 2014. But in 2021, as we're recording this, it's now number seven. Is it really? I didn't <laughs> know that. Yes, it is on number seven on the, on the Billboard Holiday 100. 
So on their holiday a, 100. Okay. Yeah, that, okay. that is a different, apparently different chart, which I didn't really know existed, but it is a thing. I so saw that in a couple of these. Yes. That it was, it was news to me. So for years and years and years, clear up until he stopped doing his show, uh, every year at Christmas time, uh, David Letterman would have Darlene Love come out and sing this song, like his last song before you know he would take his Christmas break, which is I remember know, the twenty second or twenty third, and every single year she'd come out. So yeah, YouTube that and check it out. So what are your thoughts on this song and you know maybe the YouTube version and and so forth? I absolutely love this song. I love the YouTube version. I love the Phil Spector version, which if anybody is listening um, and has not listened to his his album, A Christmas Gift for You, it is a must listen to. Um, I listened to a podcast on Sirius XM a while back, a couple years ago, about this album and Phil Spector. And they call the way it was produced a wall of music. He didn't separate, separate the instruments out. It was a wall of music. So it all just sounded like one big noise coming at you. Something interesting that I found out about this song is that Darlene Love actually provided bad vocals to the U2 version. I didn't and know that. I did huh. not know that until I started I started looking at your list and just kind of read through a few articles and that jumped out at me. I thought it was really neat that they used her since she didn't make a lot of money off of her initial album with Phil, Phil Spector. As you said, he wasn't always a nice person. He always didn't give credit where credit was due. But yeah, the U2 version is just absolutely perfect. I love it. Yes, me too. Me too. And and you can tell by listening to the song and seeing the the video itself, the band's having a good time recording the song. You can hear mm -hmm. like you can almost hear Bono chuckling a couple of times throughout the song. Like this is a fun thing to do. So, and which is really good for a band who's really, especially at that time, known to be a very serious band. <laughs> so, yeah. so it was it was good <laughs> to kind of see them let their hair down, so to speak. All right, uh, let's go on to your number two. My number two, how can this not be up there? Last Christmas by Wham. And yes. some people may think it's a little hokey and overplayed, but it is one that just screams Christmas to me. And I thought that it initially came out on their album, Music from the Edge of Heaven in 1986. And I didn't realize it was out in 1984 as a part of the single, Everything She Wants. And at that point, it spent five weeks at number two on the UK singles chart. So I'm thinking it may have been out then and it just didn't click with me who was singing it. Because for me, it was out when I was listening to that Wham! album in my bedroom. And suddenly I'm listening through all the music in July and there was a Christmas song um, that surprised me. But an interesting fact about this is it was out at the same time as Band-Aid's Do They Know It's Christmas and mm -hmm. was held off from the number one spot on the UK chart by the Band-Aid song. Um, so it made it to number two, but it made it to number one in the UK in January of 2021. So this past January, it made it to the number one spot. And so that was more than 36 years after its initial release. Um, wow. Yeah. Can you believe that? I cannot believe that. That is, mm -hmm. that's crazy. It holds the record for the longest time taken for a single to peak at the top of the UK singles chart. I'll tell you what, let's let's hear a little piece of it.
So that song to me, like you said, sounds like Christmas from the opening synth line to the story, the video, they're playing in the snow, <laughs> but a group of friends. And uh, it's really, it's a really cool kind of, it, it song tells a story too. So I do remember it from being out back in, back in 84. I, I do remember it back then because, you know, at that time, wham, just about everything they touched was, was becoming a hit and you could really feel the momentum of the band rising. I wasn't particularly a, a wham fan so much, but uh, I did like George Michael's voice. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I liked his solo, his first solo album was good. But this song here, even back then, stuck out to me as like, ooh, that's a really cool song. And it's Wham, you say, huh? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, very interesting. Very interesting. Most definitely. So what is your number two song? My number two song is, um, you know what? Let, let's, just, let's just play part of it here real quick. Christmas is a time to say I love you by Billy Squire. <laughs> so Billy Squire, rock and roll guy. Um, his producer was was Mac, the same guy that produced Queen. Uh, he was a rocker through and through. Uh, on MTV's, what they did for, for a number of years, they did at the end of the year, they'd have like this Christmas party they would televise. And all of the, the VJs, the promo people the office people the camera people like everybody on staff would be part of this christmas party and then they would film it and they would have some star come in and you know play some music and uh the very first year in 1981 of mtv billy squire was as big as it got he was there uh singing this song so if you see the video you see you know jj jackson and nina blackwood martha quinn mark goodman um alan hunter just all dancing around throughout the video and it's just, man it's just such a time capsule i would venture to say this is the most 80s video that out of all of these maybe not the most 80s sounding song but definitely the most 80s <laughs> video just because all of the, these iconic people and um it was uh man it was you know, it still holds a place in my heart today. Uh, it was not released as a single, however, until 1983. So uh, wow. there was no record for it until then. But, uh, you know, I I just love this song. Yeah, the video is what made it fun, I think. I always wanted to be a part of those MCB Christmas parties. It would have been fun to be there. Heck yeah, it would have been. <laughs> just to <laughs> hang out with those guys. And, and here's a side note here. This is something that, that just came to me the other day. And I, I don't know if, if we should start a, a, a petition, but I'll, I'll probably start mentioning this from time to time just because it's the way my brain works. Um, I think we should have a campaign to get the original VJs into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think that would be good. 
there are several um, DJs and writers and people that influenced the music and, you know, kind of, um, you know, Alan Freed, the guy that first coined the term rock and roll, he's in the, he's in there. Um, so many different writers, like I said before, but in the 1980s, these people brought us rock and roll. Like these are, they were the, our friends, they introduced us to the music. And I think uh, those original five, that Fab Five MTV VJ group should definitely um, be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So I don't know. I agree. It's got to start, so, it's gotta start somewhere, right? Might as well start that's with right. us. So. <laughs> I think that's doke. a perfect idea. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Um, so we're we're down to to your number one, which, I think by we the way, to introduce it. Should should I play it? You need to play it. Okay, here we go. And I have a feeling, Rob, that this was probably somewhere on your list as well. Oh, yeah. It, it probably would have been my number two or three. Two or three. Maybe one. I don't know. It Again, you know me. It depends on my mood. It could have been anywhere. Yeah. Could have bounced around anywhere. For me, if yeah. someone asks, what is the most iconic, your, what is your most iconic favorite 80s Christmas song? It has to be Band-Aids. Do they know it's Christmas? I can identify it if I'm in a grocery store aisle at Christmas season and the first note plays and you'll see me whip around and look and it takes all of my effort not to dance or start singing along at the top of my lungs in the aisle. I think my kids, if they, if they were with me, would probably say, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. They know that I'll sing to this one. Um, <laughs> and this, this one was so popular in 1984 when it was released that I couldn't find the, the 45 for it anywhere. It was sold out at all the record stores. One of my friends had it, and I was so disappointed because I never had the original 45. It was just hard to come by. It was, um, it was a reaction to Bob Geldof seeing a news report um, in the UK about the fam famine in Ethiopia that had been going on from 1983 to 1985. And he was moved and felt like something needed to be done to bring attention to it and to raise funds uh, for relief for the people in Ethiopia. And he started making calls, got this song put together and written and got all of these artists to come in and record free of charge. As well, he got um, all the production free of charge and he got the magazine to run ads free of charge for him to advertise that this song was coming. Um, if, if you're not familiar with um, who, was part, who was in the song and part of Band-Aid, the separate lines were sung by Paul Young, Boy George, George Michael, Simon LeBond, Sting, and Bono. And some of the artists that were in the chorus, I'm sure I'm going to miss some here because there's a huge list. Phil Collins, Bob Geldof, uh, Midge Urey, Status Quo, Bananarama, Paul Weller, Eurythmics, Heaven 17, Human League, Cool and the Gang, which was the only U.S. artist, 
uh, the Style Council, U2, Duran Duran, and Wham. So it was a who's who of 1980s pop artists at the time. Um, yes. Everybody just hopped on board. I I'll tell you what, that song, when I very first heard it, I heard of it before I heard it. So I will paint this, this picture for you. So if you've listened to this podcast at all, you've heard me and Matt talk about Cardo's Pizza. That was our hangout. Yeah. So we're sitting there at Cardo's one night, just hanging out, eating pizza, as one does. And uh, my friend Mike Hartness comes in. And he, you know, he's a big music fan, too. And he says, uh, have you heard that, that new Christmas song? by all of those uh, bunch of British artists that came together called Band-Aid. I'm like, no. He's like, ah. he says it's for famine relief or something. And then he's telling me who's in it. He's like Sting and George Michael and Boy George. And then he says Bono. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I have to have it. <laughs> so I actually went out and bought the single the next day before I'd heard the song. <laughs> Just because really? Bono was on it. Yes. And uh, I, yeah, I just went to the record store and they had plenty of them on the shelf. So I think it's before it really took off. It was you yeah. know just as it was getting released. So people hadn't had a chance to go buy them all up yet. But I do remember how they were, they, they were sold out everywhere of that song. And mm -hmm. I, one of my favorite, favorite uh, things about the song is uh, Phil Collins playing the drums. And yeah, seeing that right. in, in the video and seeing everybody, just all of these icons in the studio, just standing around, seeing the song. And then there's Cool in the Gang. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, what's Cool in the Gang do? Apparently their, their manager was there. Like most of the people there didn't know who they were, you know, cause you've mm -hmm. got like, like Midyear and, and Bob Gildoff and some of these, these people, they weren't big in the U.S., they were pretty much UK artists. So, you know, they, they wouldn't really be listening to American radio too much, but a few people knew who they were, you know, little did they know the song celebration was bigger than any song that any of them had recorded. It was just kind of funny that they're, they're pretty much unknown over there, but uh, that, that, you know, I digress, but yeah, that, that song, um, helped raise a lot of money and it really kicked off the uh the movement of um, famine relief for um for um uh, or yeah here's me fumbling over words again uh helped really kick off the famine relief efforts that happened uh from uh, we are the world from usa to africa came a few months later um the live aid concert uh, the Canadians did a um, put together a band called Northern Lights, and they sung a song called Tears Are Not Enough. Uh, there was a heavy metal group called Hearing Aid that did a song. Uh, there were lots of people, I think some Christian artists even put together one. And so there's lots of people. And then from there, lots of other causes came up throughout the, from the mid to late 80s, where artists would get together record a song or do a concert and that's kind of still held over to today like even you mm -hmm. might see some local bands get together and do a benefit concert and there really weren't benefit concerts before live aid so you know yeah bob goldoff thank you yes <laughs> so well and i was surprised at how um how quickly this song took off and i think it was because it was a who's who 
of of the pop music um, world at that time because yes. it was released on December 3rd in the UK and Radio 1 played it every single hour and most songs wow. only it, most top songs only got seven to eight plays per day this was getting 24 plays per day which ramped it up popularity wise and then it wasn't released in the U.S. until December 10th of 84 so seven days later and still, it sold 1.9 million copies in the first 11 days in the U.S. Wow. That's Hence crazy. the reason I couldn't find it in the record store <laughs> where go. I was living. Because people like so, me were buying them up before you had a chance to get there, right? Exactly. You were too fast for me. And even <laughs> though it outsold the official number one that year during the weeks that it was on the charts by four to one, it outsold it four to one, it didn't make the top 10 because of lack of airplay in the U.S. Oh, and yeah. so in the U.S., it only peaked at number 13 in the Billboard Hot 100, which is hard to believe. Hmm. That's, that is interesting. I, I did, like I remember the charts back. I remember it not getting as high as I thought it would, but mm-hmm. it was everywhere. It was all over MTV. It was, yes. So one and, thing that, that's really cool, if you ever get a chance, there is an extended version. Have you heard this? I have. Yeah. So the extended version has uh you know it's you know the song but longer there's some extra instruments and synths and things like that in it but you hear different uh different people there talking about being there like hi this is um Midjure and you know from Altervox and hi I'm whoever uh, and then Paul McCartney who wasn't there had recorded a little piece for it and uh so and David get a Bowie chance, yeah, David Bowie. Yes, thank you. Yeah, and and those are just off the top of my head. Bowie, I'd forgot about, but yes, he's absolutely on there. Um, yeah. If you get a chance, check that out. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube uh, or some of those other outlets. But yeah, it's 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 very cool to hear. It's, it's again uh, talking about uh, the Billy Squire song. Uh, again, this is another time capsule. This captures the '80s in the in the height and in the midst of what was going on back then so very very cool it does okay rob that brings us to your number one (laughs) so this song well you know what let's let's just hear a little piece of this Christmas wrapping by the waitresses. So funny thing, uh, I I am a sucker for the song. I cannot turn the radio off or turn off, you know, the playlist I'm listening to until the song's done. <laughs> it never gets old to me. <laughs> I just freaking love this song. I don't know what it is. It just, it sounds like Christmas to me. And um Debbie had made the comment of like at the end of the Christmas season. I feel like I've heard it so many times. Was it how is it you put that? You 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 thought she was mocking you? Yes, yeah, she almost starts to sound like she's she's jeering. She's doing you know just kind of yeah yeah. Directed but, at you. 
yeah, directly at me. But it is a fun song. I'm not to that point yet where I'm turning it off. It's still a fun song right now for me this time of year. <laughs> oh, good. So, I'm, I'm glad you. I'm glad you're still liking it. I'm still liking it, and it tells a fun story when you listen to it. Oh yeah. So just so much fun because she's going to skip Christmas and doesn't want to be a part of Christmas because this part of the reason is because this guy at a ski shop, um, she didn't get to get in contact with him and ask him for a date and thinks she's never going to get together with him and then runs into him on Christmas Eve at a 24 hour grocery store. And yeah. he's been the guy she's been chasing all year. And I thought that was just such a cute story. Yeah. So if you're listening to the song, like they, they have a couple almost encounters during the year <laughs> until it culminates with that because A&P provided her with the world's smallest turkey. So And they were buying cranberries too at the grocery yes, store together. They both, were, they both had forgotten cranberries. So that's what brought them there. So yeah. the, the, the song itself was released in 1981. Uh, the baseline was inspired by Good Times by Chic. So Tracy Warmworth was the bass player. So when you hear that, that bass line in there i don't want to say a rip off of chic but you know chic influenced a lot of people so that is part of the thing and um part of the the wrapping the christmas wrapping title uh she was kind of nodding back to the curtis blow song christmas wrapping so there is a reason i played that earlier just so you know so uh that that's kind of that, that's my i don't know if it's a i guess you would say yes it's a guilty pleasure but I completely love that song. And so. it definitely screams the 1980s. It could not be from another decade. Oh, no way. No way. <laughs> and, but you know what? Here's a funny thing. That thing shows up in movies and TV shows mm -hmm. all the time. So it's like, especially things that are like based in the 80s. So yeah, yes. it, they, they may have only had one other hit. Uh, you may have heard, I Know What Boys Like. That was yep. the waitresses. Those are the only two songs anyone's really ever heard of them, but they certainly have <laughs> left their mark um, from what they did back then. So, And I may have just figured out why it sounds like she's jeering at me because uh, in the previous song, she goes, nya, 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 you know, almost like <laughs> yes. she's making fun. That's yeah. probably what it is. <laughs> That's probably it. Those, those songs are morphing together for you. Because they, 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 do, they do sound very similar. <laughs> Let's be honest. Uh-huh. They definitely had a sound. Yes, yes. Patty Patty Donahue's voice was very recognizable. That is for sure. So, yes, but certainly so, a fun one. I think you and, did a good job with choosing that as your number one. <laughs> oh, thank you. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they also did the theme for Square Pegs too, right? Oh, you might be right. TV show. I think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah, that was the so. All right, so what we're going to do now, we're going to close out the, the podcast here. We're going to talk about some of the songs that we had that didn't quite make our cuts, but we really wanted to mention here. So go right ahead, Debbie. I'll, I'll let you go first. Okay, well, earlier today, you mentioned uh, the acapella song and that you loved acapella at Christmas time. And mm -hmm. there was one song that I absolutely love. It's from 1988. It's by the group called Glad. And it's titled In the First Light. Hear the angels as they're singing on the morning of his birth. But how much greater will our song be when he comes again, when he comes again. Hear the 
Uh, this is one of those songs that when I have it playing on Spotify, I find myself belting it out by the time um, the artists are at the last refrain um, and the music crescendos. And there are times where I'm singing along with it. And there's something emotional about hearing something so powerful, just strictly acapella, that a lot of the times I'll have tears in my eyes by the time the song ends. So um, it's one that I absolutely like. It's, if you're looking for it, it's from their acapella project volume one album. Um, and prior to this album, they were not recording acapella songs, this group, they were singing songs with instruments and, um, their label was really hesitant to put it out, but it was incredibly popular and sold over 40,000 copies. So it did wow. really well. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right. Um, another one that I absolutely loved was Annie Lennox and Al Green, put a little love in your heart from 1988. And you'll recall that one as going over the credits, if I recall correctly, the ending theme song to Scrooge, um, yes. the, the movie. So absolutely love that one. It is just one of those songs that makes you smile. And then the last one, and Rob, I know this is not your favorite. You're not a huge Erasure fan, is She Won't mm -hmm. Be Home for Christmas. And they sang that back in 1989. And so what are some of your honorable mentions? Oh, oh, oh. And I have to say one that doesn't make the list because it was actually recorded in the 1970s, but released, was released in the 1980s is David Bowie and Bing Crosby's Little Drummer Boy Peace on Earth. And it can't be an official member of the 80s list because it was recorded in the 1970s, but it was released in the 1980s. So Rob, what are some of your honorable mentions? For me, well, for one, there are several. We could probably do a whole podcast of <laughs> songs that didn't quite make it. but. Um, um, I mentioned earlier, Amy Grant, um, Tennessee Christmas is one that you might think and Rob, this doesn't sound like what you typically do, uh, growing up in the church, you know, there's several Christian artists that, that did music throughout the, um, you know, that, that I'd heard throughout the eighties and nineties and so forth. But for some reason, whenever I hear this, this music, this song by Amy Grant, I, I want to go to Tennessee for Christmas. I don't know. It I've been to Tennessee. Make you want to go. Yeah, I've been to Tennessee. Uh, there's a lot of beautiful um, country there, but I've never been there at Christmas. But for some reason, it makes me feel like I'm being ripped off by not going to Tennessee for Christmas. So that, that's <laughs> one of them. Um, speaking of Christian <laughs> bands, another one that uh, I really um, have always loved is uh, Little Drummer Boy by Whiteheart. came out in 1988. That song, um, that's probably the rockingest version of this that I've heard. Uh, except for that last year, I believe, King and Country came out with a version of it that's really good. But this one here is like very guitar-driven. And mm -hmm. I would really, you know what, let's hear a little piece of that so you know what I'm talking about.
so there you go 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 check that out um check out the whole song it's they do a very very good job a couple other ones here uh merry christmas i don't want to fight tonight by the ramones <laughs> very hilarious video it is exactly what you think it is boy and girl fighting at christmas and they finally make it at the end and uh of the video and then i think they start fighting again <laughs> so, <laughs> typical ramones they tell a story the song's over with in about a minute and a half but it's you know it is what it is uh it, it, again it's one of those songs I, ju I just always have loved uh another one oh holy night by john anderson he if you recall was a lead singer of yes and in 1985 he put out a solo christmas album called three ships and uh, this one song on there is, is my favorite on the album. And this is, Oh Holy Night is my favorite um, spiritual Christmas song. And this is one of the better versions of the song that I have heard. Uh, you know, just the, the big, I don't want to call it the money shot, but that big fall on your knees part in his voice just sounds really, really cool in this song. Beautiful. Another one was Same Old Anxiety by Dan Fogelberg. Again, it's another storytelling song. Um, I think it's autobiographical. Uh, mm -hmm. He runs into an ex-girlfriend at the grocery store on Christmas Eve. And they start talking and they end up reminiscing, uh, talk about old times. And uh, at the end of the evening, she she goes his way and he goes her. Or, yeah, she goes her way, he goes his. And, uh, you know, he, he leaves us with just, you know, that old feeling that old familiar painful feeling comes comes back again but it, it seems like it's more of a and not a, a lost love type thing but more of a hey this was part of my life back then so it's very very neat song and then the last one i will talk about i'll go taking debbie's lead there was a song that was released in 1979 even though i didn't hear it until the 80s but uh, Wonderful Christmas Time by Paul McCartney. A lot of people hate that song. I completely love that song. I traditionally make that the first Christmas song I listen to every year. When, and, and here's the thing. I only allow myself to listen to Christmas music from Thanksgiving after dinner's done, after the pumpkin pie is eaten. I can then listen to Christmas music. And then it's a hard stop on December 25th. So by December 26th, the Christmas music is put away not to be heard from again for another year. But this song is the one that kicks it off for me. The video's cool. Just the the tempo of the song's really cool. So that, that's what I got. But we have one more song uh, we wanted to talk about, and I'm going to let Debbie uh, set this one up, and, and we'll, we'll kind of talk about uh, this song, and this is what we're going to kind of close out with. Uh, this song is Driving Home for Christmas by Chris Wright. It was recorded and released in 1988. And up until last year, I had not heard this song. And the first time I heard it, I absolutely fell in love with it. Something about the sound and the tone of his voice and how he's singing that just makes me smile. Um, it was originally released in 1986 as a B-side to his single, Hello Friend. Uh, but then a re-recorded version uh, was released in 1988. And that's the version that we listen to today. Um, and he wrote this when his wife had picked him up um, from working in London at the studio. And he did not, the, the studio was not paying for him to take the train to and from his house, which was a decent drive away. So his wife had picked him up and they were sitting in traffic on their way home. And 
they were just stuck, not moving. The snow was falling. He started looking at the other drivers and realized that they all looked absolutely miserable sitting in traffic. And he jokingly started singing, we're driving home for Christmas, and then realized that he had something there. And anytime they stopped under additional street lights and the lights shone inside the car, he would write down a few more lines. So that, that song was actually written while he was driving home for Christmas and stuck in the car. And nice. so, Rob, I think that you didn't hear it until recently either, if I remember correctly. No, you know what? It's funny. Last year, I believe you were doing the, the VJ spot on the Living in the 80s Facebook page, and I believe you posted it then, or maybe it was on your own private wall. I don't remember, but I heard, like, I'd never heard it. I went, oh, that's a neat song. Fast forward a year later, and I hear it again and go, man, that's a good song. And so I've probably listened to it a dozen or more times over the last couple of weeks. Again, it's not Christmas wrapping addictive, but it is one of those songs that's like, that's just a super cool song. It makes me want to go on a road trip for Christmas. Like my family lives within 10 minutes of my house. So like I can be there in minutes. So there's no big long trip, but I just... You know, if you see the video uh, to it, it's like, and I don't, I think it's more of a fan-made video, I believe, but it's driving down the road. You see the snowy road and oncoming cars, but there's snow everywhere. And it's just like, yeah, like (laughs) over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house we go. And then Chris Ray singing his, his take on that. So uh, very excellent song. We're going to, that'll be our outro uh, today. So you get to hear part of that and, um, go to the Living in the 80s Facebook page and uh, Debbie, your guest VJing this week. So maybe on Saturday you can like post it again. I think you can do I that. will post it again. It's a fun All right. One. So, so everybody can kind of <laughs> hear that again. So, so that's it. But guys, I want to thank you all for listening to Living in the 80s, whether you're on the, on the podcast or on the radio. Uh, we really appreciate you guys checking us out and giving us an hour or more of your week uh, to kind of hear us ramble on about whatever. So grateful to have you guys. It has been a good year and uh, I want to wish everyone a very Merry Christmas and a a very happy new year. Uh, We're going to take off until the end of the year. So just, you know, we're taking a a week off and we'll we'll be back in January and with some whole new episodes and, and guests and, more weirdness however we see fit so but um thank you thank you thank you so debbie i will let you introduce the song and then we are out and here it is to close out the podcast chris ray's driving home for christmas Sorry I can't be with you.
Hi, this is Simon from Duran Duran. I'd like to say, I'd like to wish you a happy Christmas. I'm Paul Weller from the Style Council. I wish you all a happy Christmas. This is John Taylor from Duran Duran. Happy Christmas, everybody, too. This is Johnny Fingers from Boomtown Labs, and uh, I'd like to wish everyone a happy Christmas. This is David Bowie. It's Christmas 1984. The peaceful new year.